You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Oh, hey, it's so good to be here. My name is Pastor Lance. Uh, my beautiful bride, Alicia Williams, is also a pastor. We've been coming to the church for 15 years. And uh, when we started coming, it was about 150 people. And we're just watching this thing explode. It is so much fun. Never a dull moment. It's such a crazy, awesome, amazing ride. Because God's at the center of it. And he keeps blowing our minds on whatever is possible. Whatever we think is possible, he doubles down and shows us that greater things are in store. So um, I haven't probably met a lot of you. So just a quick little backstory. Um, Grew up Christian. I'm from South Africa. Lived there for 17 years. Moved here 23 years ago. And um, grew up in church. Baptist, Methodist, and then sometimes in Catholic school. And so a real like hodgepodge mixture of religion and legalism. Yay. Super awesome. Super boring. And not a lot of life in it. And until I came to this church, it flipped everything upside down on what I knew church was, who the Holy Spirit was, what discipleship was, and what living a blessed life looked like. Because I grew up in a Christianity where everything was happening to us. It was a victim mentality, and we felt powerless and helpless, and we weren't able to affect change because we didn't know how to pray. We didn't know how to lean in. We didn't know how to apply scripture. So I'm grateful for this house because they don't just talk about it. It's not just head knowledge. They, we come alongside and be like, this is how you walk this out. We'll coach you. Discipleship. We'll show you because they're operating in it themselves. They can now show you because it's in them. And it's actually quite easy if we just open up our hearts, become a bit teachable, and maybe unlearn some things that we've learned from church or religion and legalism. That was me really bound in religion and legalism. So my journey is a little bit different. But in talking to your pastors and hearing about the heart for this house in Salt Lake City, they really wanted me to come around on learning to hear from the Lord for yourself. Because when we get into churches that are steeped in religion and legalism, it's, my relationship with God is not predicated on the pastor or the bishop or the leader. So he leads me through the word. He leads me through worship. But I don't actually do that of my own accord in the secret place or in private. So I go a whole week without getting into worship, without getting into the word, without prayer. And by the time I show up on Sunday, like all hell's broken loose. My life sucks. I get a quick reset on a Sunday and then I go back into it. And that's the definition of insanity. (laughs) It's doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But I grew up with that for 26 years. And eventually you get to the point where you say, what is the point? Nothing is changing. My prayers don't seem to be working. Why do I keep spinning my wheels and hitting a ceiling? Conversely, or why does it feel like my life is falling apart? I can't maintain relationships. My finances are in shambles. And it really comes down to Leaders and pastors are there to help shepherd, yes. And a part of it, we are responsible for your walk. But ultimately, we, you, I, 
are all responsible for our personal relationship with Jesus. Amen? So I want to help you this morning. I'm going to go through a little bit of my journey. I'm going to give you some very practical steps here. Because as much as we are spiritual, we are practical. There is a level of work that needs to be put in. Scripture says that Jesus is the potter. We are the clay. We're going to go around and around and around and around and around. Get worked a little bit. Sprinkled with some water. Sweat. And then God takes his thumbs and goes... And it's like, ow, that's uncomfortable. I don't like that. And then for a while, nothing happens. We're just going around and around and around. Look, discipleship is not sexy. It's not all about mountaintop experiences. It's about showing up. Show up again and again and again. Show up to Connect Group. Show up to Men and Women's Prayer. Show up to church. Show up in your community. Just show up. That's 99% of the work done right there. So I'm going to walk you through some practical things of how we can incline our hearts, incline our ear, and hear from God ourselves through relationship. So this is all really scaled down to one word, relationship. And how do we do it? Because I came into this house, I saw people operating in power, I saw people praying in tongues, I saw people doing all these things, and I'm like, how do I do that? How do I get there? Because I've read about it in the Bible, but it's not manifesting in my life. How do I get that to pop? And so we can see we're at point A, but we see point B, and we see the gap. And we're like, I don't know how to get there. So hopefully this morning, I'm going to help you. All right? Okay. So the title of the message this morning is Speak, Lord, I Am Listening. And I just quickly want to honor and thank Pastor Jürgen and Leanne for their leadership, for their boldness and their courage, and for showing us and caring enough about my marriage, my life, and how we do life, and having the cojones to speak into it. Okay. So speak, Lord, I am listening. So how do we hear from the Lord? Really, it's being aware of His presence, being conscious of Him. Most of us live aware of our problems, our body aches, our issues, the pressures, pressures of work, finances. They carry a louder voice and they capture our attention more than anything else. So we can learn how to become more conscientious of the presence of God and then we're able to engage with Him more quickly. Because whatever you give your attention to, you're going to get more of you're going to get more of it. If I speak negative and toxic I'm with this, and I'm drama, I'm going to attract that to my life. Whatever you sow, you will reap. We're always a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's why there's death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, if we put in the effort and discipline, yeah, we don't like that word, but if we put in the discipline and the effort, to access God, we will start seeing breakthrough in our lives. And everything I'm going to speak on, I have done myself. And I've seen the hand of God move when I've just like died to myself daily, a little bit at a time, and made him a priority. So a church is easy to engage. 
the worship team have spent time in prayer and practice and honing their skill. We come into this place. It's already done for us. We just walk in, and it's there, and we can engage. And this is great. We should join as a, together to worship God. It's biblical. But how do we do it at home? Because this is relationship. I don't think my wife would really like it if I spoke to her once a week. Some men might prefer if their wife spoke to them once a week. Yeah, nobody amen that. We have amazing counselors. But if you think about it that way, would your loved one like it if you just spoke to them once a week, engaged with them once a week? There's not a lot of depth there. We're not going to get to know them. And God so deeply wants us to get to know Him. He already knows us. But He wants relationship. Okay. So why is it necessary to hear from the Lord? Great question. Thank you for asking. Let's go to John 10, 27-28. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, nor shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So you can see here it's important to know his voice because it's protection. Eternal life. Livelihood. And you will not be easily deceived. Man shall not be able to pluck them out. Because once you start leaning in and listening to the voice of God, it adds a contrast and a definition between what God is saying and what man is saying. And if man is saying this, but it doesn't line up with God, I probably shouldn't go that way. I'm more easily misled when I'm listening to the world and to man and his wisdom than when I'm listening to God's. It's going to give me wisdom. It's going to give me discernment. And my life will be less of a train wreck. And I'm speaking from experience. Okay. John 10, 1 through 5. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold but by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and as a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Talking about Jesus. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his sheep his own sheep, by name, and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, protector, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I wonder if God's been calling to you, but you haven't recognized it because you don't know his voice, and you're wondering what it is. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger again, protection, wisdom, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. So this is talking about being careful about what we listen to and what guides us. We want to be able to hear from the Lord, to hear his voice, to know his voice, so that we're not led astray, that we're with him and protected by him. So how do we hear from the Lord? Great question. Well, we've got to look at what we call heart attitudes to get, and this is posturing your heart and getting into alignment 
posturing yourself before him to hear clearly. So the first one is desire. Now, much of our relationship with God, there's a lot of parallels in marriage. So I have to want to hear from the Lord. Nobody can make me hear from the Lord. I can't make you desire him. Now, conversely, if, if I told my wife, I kind of like you. Some days I don't. You want to get married? She ain't putting the ring on the finger. No, because there's, there's a price of pursuit. They want to know that they're wanted, that they're desired. Right? It's no different from God. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. There's a price for his intimacy, for his presence. They're amening too much over here on the front row. <laughs> Having too much fun. But just like marriage, time with God's going to cost you two things, time and money. But if we're able to prioritize and we start tuning into the Holy Spirit, you'll start seeing him show up in your life and meeting you where you're at. Okay, so desire. Psalm 27, 4, King David says, The one thing I have desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So King David was driven by a passion to engage in the presence of God and to stay there. Encounter God in his presence and behold his beauty. So king David, arguably one of the greatest king warriors and worshippers in the Bible, made lots of mistakes. Made a ton. But God still used him mightily because David, King David knew that he only had what he had because of the presence of God. That's why he always sent the ark out before him. The presence always went out before him. He never lost a battle. Fortune, fame, the whole gambit had it all. But he still came back to the one thing I desire. The one thing I desire. We can really simplify things in our lives when we just whittle down our desires a little bit and place them in the right place. Because I know that if, if I'm in alignment with God, all that will happen because he knows the desires of our hearts. It's just the one thing. And it really simplified it for me. Um, so having the heart attitude of desire. The second one is commitment. Yay. Such a great word. But realizing that God doesn't do casual relationships. He's so serious about you that he sent his only son to die for you and your life is bought with his blood. It's a pretty serious thing. It's pretty serious right now. But he's a covenant God. And his word says that he's no man that he should lie. So when he says he's going to do a thing, will he not do it? So it's like a marriage, yes. And scripture says God is a jealous God. So wherever I'm putting my affections, he's going to notice. But we live in a world of casual relationships, lack of commitment, and consistency is kingdom. Consistency is kingdom. It's not about performance. I want you to know that you cannot perform your way into the presence of God. You cannot buy it. All, like I said, all you need to do is show up and have a heart posture towards him. Simon the sorcerer tried to buy the power of God, and it almost killed him. So we can't 
perform our way into it. We can't get approval before we get it. He paid the price already. You have the approval. You just have to say yes. So God doesn't do casual relationships. And if we, if we are in love with the world and its values, the Bible makes it akin to adultery. Super quiet right now. It's, it's great. But I needed to hear this because I was striving for things that I thought would bring fulfillment. We look to people for affirmation or approval. And that turns into performance. And I'm only as good as my last execution. I'm only as good as my last project. And um, it'll show up in the workplace. We seek approval from man. And it's never good enough. And then we fail. And then we're so hard on ourselves. And we don't have grace for ourselves. And then we don't have grace for other people. And so, again, when I just shift things a bit and go after his approval, because it's already given, I no longer live to please man, I live to please him. So, it's really simple. Just make a commitment to him. Easy. Done. In Luke ten forty two, it talks about Mary and Martha, one choosing intimacy over one choosing to serve. And both are good. Both are great. But it was a posture of the heart that differentiated them. And so the one serving had a bitterness towards his sister because she wasn't helping. And Jesus called her out and said, one thing is needed. Just one thing. It's a choice. I have to choose intimacy with God over the distractions of the world. So how we set up our life reveals our priority. And if we make a commitment to build with God, we can choose to build our marriage with Him. We can choose to build our finances with Him, our family with Him. And we will be better off for it, I promise you. The third heart adjustment is to believe that God is a rewarder of those who seek Him. So Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the word diligently, again, consistency. It's making the time, intentionality. So relationships require an effort and commitment. If you knew that focusing on one thing would change your life for the better, wouldn't you do it? Thank you. If a financial advisor came to you and said, hey, I have this one stock. It's going to forever change your life. It's going to cost you. Are you going to invest? To the moon. I think somebody's into altcoins. That's cryptocurrency. Um, And you would say, yeah, it's going to yield all this return. There's going to be an ROI. And we get it to gain. We do it to gain. But with God, with relationship, we're not in it to get because of his character. So 
in Matthew 5 and 6, it talks about God's character. And I'm paraphrasing because it's a long piece of scripture, but basically he says, if you pray in private, if you give in private, so you're not boasting about it, and if we fast in private, again, we're not talking about it, it says, I will reward you and reward you openly. That's God speaking, Jesus speaking. So I know that I can look to him and know that his character, his goodness, his faithfulness, he is one of a rewarder. Now, I always thought that seeking recognition and reward was bad. I looked for it from people. But reading that scripture, I realized this is the way God's created us. But it's seeking recognition and reward from the Father that can only fulfill you when it is given. But gets perverted and twisted when we seek it from man. Because he's looking to bless his kids that seek him in the private space, in the private place. So I can trust in God, in his character. There's certain things I know about my wife. I can trust her with certain things. Most of the time. I'm just kidding. No, there's certain things that I can trust her because of her character. It's the same with God. I can rely on his character. And I've seen it come through time and time again when I've just put in the time with him. So I don't have to worry about recognition and reward. I know it's coming. So I can come to him without an agenda. I can come to him without coming to get. I can come to him just to hear from him. I can minister to the Lord and he can minister to me. So when I spend time with love, because God is love, I can come out of that and come out of love towards people. Opposed to spending time with people to get love, to fulfill me. You will go through relationships really quickly when you don't get what you want. And then we enter into control and manipulation because you're not fulfilling me. You're not, you're not, you're not. That is a weight people are not meant to carry and a very real unrealistic expectation that we put on people when we go to man for the approval and love first. But he is love, the definition of love. So spend time with love and we can flow from love. God has a sense of humor because 15 years ago, I didn't like people. And now I'm a pastor. Over pastoral ministry, where all you do is deal with people and their problems and their issues. So God has a sense of humor. But I realized the reason why I didn't like people is because I had a fear of man. And I didn't like myself. Taking another step, I didn't love myself. The scripture says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So if we can't love ourselves, we can't love our neighbors. Yeah. So you can, see, you can see the strategy of the enemy when he comes in and he gets your insecurities to speak louder than the voice of God, than the shepherd's voice. You can see the strategy of the enemy where he plays off of rejection that we've gone through in life. And we choose the event of rejection over the word of the Father. 
who says in Ephesians, before the foundations of the world, I knew you. And I predestined you into adoption through Christ Jesus into the beloved. So the minute I said yes to Jesus, I was his. Approved, adopted, not rejected. And so you can see the strategy of the enemy. I can't be effective in the kingdom if I don't love myself. I guarantee you, you spend time with love, with him, with the Holy Spirit, he'll heal that. And you will learn to accept yourself and love yourself for who you are because he's accepted you. And that has to be good enough for me. Because I know what I've done. King David knew what he did. But God still used them. I don't feel like I deserve to be used sometimes. But he still does anyway. So, moving on. Okay. So, some of us have a block. Maybe it's a mental block or an emotional block when it comes to facilitating and having intimacy with God. For some of us, the word intimacy kind of freaks us out because our mind goes towards sexual things as opposed to just being in the presence. So if I, if I focus on that one block, and I'll just share my story around that. My beautiful bride is five foot. It's like bubbly champagne, fire, you know, She's amazing. And when we came into the church, she was very open, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, was speaking in tongues very quickly. And so she's standing next to me going, shabba da ba da ba da and I'm like, shut up. I want what you got. I don't know how to get it. It's not fair you got yours first. Whatever. And there's this level of frustration of, I want what's going on here. How do I get there? And I have to understand things. I need to know the why, the how. I have to unpack it. I need to know systematically. I'm very linear and black and white. Again, God has a sense of humor because you get into pastoral ministry and it's gray. It is so gray. It's ridiculous. He's stretching me. Um, And so she just got into this flow with the Holy Spirit effortlessly. It's amazing, wonderful. Mm. And she's in service and amening, and I'm trying to write down. I'm like, I can't concentrate. Stop saying amen. Stop. Shut up. Didn't say shut up, but I gave her the look that had shut up written on my face. (laughs) Yeah, I was very jealous. So she came into this thing and was operating out of it in like six months. It took me about a year to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and about another six months, almost two years before I was praying in tongues. And I saw it going on around me, but because I came out of religion and legalism, I was like, oh, I don't know if this is real. Is it real? I know it says it in the Bible. I believe the Bible. But is this real? People getting laid out, praying in tongues. Mm, I don't know. A lot of unbelief and doubt. So that was the first mental block. But then I'm starting to see people's lives turned around, transformed. Person walked in, looked like they're wearing, wearing 100 pounds, have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and they walk out 100 pounds lighter. Their countenance is different. Even their skin color has changed. There's light and life in their eyes. Then I start hearing testimonies on blessing over family, healing, miracle signs and wonders. And I'm like, okay, I need to make a decision and start to believe 
that either this is real or it's not. Because then what's the point? We could save ourselves a lot of time and money if we just decided this is rubbish, we out. But that's the church I grew up in was a powerless church, an effective church because Holy Spirit wasn't understood, so they feared him, so they just kind of put him in the closet. We didn't talk about Holy Spirit. There was no life in the church. And then all of a sudden we come into this house, and there he is front and center. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? This is crazy. But I started seeing lives transformed, true transformation, realness, no masks, people getting up on the stage, sharing testimonies that were messy and ugly, but real, and then sharing how God came in and redeemed and restored lives. And I was like, okay, God, you've got my attention. And first mental block, is this real? Okay, make a decision. It's real. I'm going to choose to believe. The second one was figuring out how it all worked. Now, I liked figuring out how things worked. I mean, when we want to learn how to play guitar, we go to guitar lessons. When we want to work on certain things, we might watch some YouTube videos. But there's the knowledge and then there's the application. So I'm grateful for a church that doesn't just preach about it, but they be about it. And, I mean, at 17, I went and interned at a research facility to learn how the brain worked in neurology. That was my level of having to understand and logistify and quantify exactly what was going on. I wanted to learn how to car, so I went and got a job at an, an auto shop and figured out how to work on cars. The first three months were rough. I mean, I left oil caps off and the customer drove away and there's oil spraying all over the cars and it's like... It was him. It wasn't me. So what is the block for you? Is it disappointment? Is it I don't understand? Is it I don't know if I believe? What is it? And if you focus on the block, you can dismantle it. You can't dismantle it. Nothing is impossible for those who believe. Amen? Okay. All right, so. Oh, boy. Okay. How do I engage with God? Encountering the presence of God. I can tell you that is through worship, thanksgiving, and praise. So when Alicia and I came to the church, our marriage was busted up and broken. We had kind of repaired it with bubblegum, paper clips, duct tape. It was hanging on by a thread. And for the first two to three years in worship, I would just cry. I didn't know why I was crying. But I knew God was doing something, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to roll with it. See what happens. But I knew something was happening every time I engaged in worship. And I just opened up my heart to the Lord. And after like two or three years, it just stopped. I was like, is what's my tear ducts broken? Do I need more blinker fluid? What's going on here? And I just felt him saying, no, you're healed now. You're healed. And now you can go out and impart into others and bring others healing. So it was really beautiful. But encountering the presence of God through worship, thanksgiving, and praise. And God shows us how to do it. If we read the Bible, imagine that. Psalm 100, 1 through 5. 
It says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. Be thankful to Him and bless His name. For the Lord God is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. Psalm 95, 1 through 3. Oh, come, let us together, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with pres- in His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. I had a very toxic and negative outlook on life, and I realized I didn't know what I could be thankful for. I would encourage you, ask God to show you what you can be thankful for. It could be for a good cup of coffee. Thank you, Jesus, for an amazing cup of coffee. Doesn't taste like dishwater, like at Disneyland. Amen. Or if you're really struggling and you have a pet, this dog is amazing. He's loyal. He's kind. He's always there. He never argues with me. We've got to find the good in something to start the process of thanksgiving. But it was difficult. I didn't feel like it. And a lot of engaging with God sometimes is we don't feel like it. We don't really want to. I'm not in the mood. Some people that are married have heard that excuse. Sorry. But I don't feel like it. I don't know. I'm going to come back from that one. (laughs) But it's choosing to engage with God over my feelings choosing to engage with God over my situation and circumstances I'm just going to put that aside for a moment I'm going to engage with Him in worship until the spirit of worship comes upon you so I'm engaging with my mind I'm engaging with my body and I'm engaging with my heart it's a trifecta and the first time I did this in my prayer closet at home which was in my actual walk-in closet I felt silly I felt stupid. It's like you kind of get coy and you're like, oh, I don't know, it's, this is weird, I don't know. Are you here? What do I do? I was a total goof about it. But it can feel foreign. It can feel weird. You can feel out of place because maybe you haven't done it before and you're not familiar with the presence of God. We're not familiar with engaging. And it takes repetition. It's a journey. You just keep doing it. You keep doing it. And you keep pressing in until the spirit of praise comes upon you. And how do you know? The atmosphere shifts. Suddenly you feel peace and joy and love. And if you just get out, if we get out of our own way and stop trying to understand something that is insurmountably so much bigger than the creator of the universe gave me a prayer language that only he understands demons do not understand it man doesn't understand it angels don't understand it it is a direct line like starlink between me and the father the creator of the universe gave that as a free gift all we need to do is receive it and open it I don't have to perform my way into it it is freely given. Jesus paid the price for it. In Psalm 95, 6 through 8, it says, 
do not harden your hearts. His word says he takes hearts of flesh and turns them, sorry, hearts of stone and turns them into flesh, but I have to choose. So his word says that if we draw near to him, he will, he will, it's a promise, he will draw near to you. But it takes initiation on my part. When we move, God moves. When we move, God moves. He's waiting for you to say, yes, come Holy Spirit, come fill me. I want more of you. I want relationship with you. And I want the gift of tongues. Because engaging with God and His Holy Spirit and His presence comes by way of His Holy Spirit. And it's also done through praying in tongues, being in worship and praying in tongues. And pushing through the blocks, pushing through until you feel the presence of God come upon you. I had to put in the work. I'm not telling you to do anything I haven't done myself. And this is biblical. You can go look at it. Jesus says, hey, when you pray, say, and we have the Lord's Prayer. But he's talking about saying it in the secret place. So it's a journey to draw near to Him. Having a gratitude of praise, releasing thanksgiving. It's an effort. Doing it when we don't feel like it. But then you'll know what stirs your heart. Is it the presence of God? Or is it a sports game? Was it something where you're loud and rowdy and engaged? Your whole mind, your body, everything in you. You just want to punch something. Or yell at the TV, you're engaged. And then we come to church and we're somber and withdrawn. And we can't come out of our our shell. But it's okay when we're doing it in front of the TV or in the stadium. So what is it about coming before God that makes us shut up? Where I can't be exuberant with my praise and say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name and forget not all of His promises. It's okay to be loud in church. It's okay to be loud in your secret place. Heaven is filled with hosts of angels going around the throne room saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. It's full of praise. It's full of noise. And I wonder how much of us are going to have an issue with heaven because it's going to be loud, but we have an issue with getting loud in church. We can have heaven on earth because it's His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's okay. Can I give you permission to have a heart abandoned unto worship? It is freeing. It is a beautiful thing. It is healing. Okay. I'm running out of time, but... Your flow is affected, the flow of the Holy Spirit in your life is affected by what you yield to. Are you going to yield to distraction? Are you going to yield to focusing on Him? If we take a magnifying glass, how do we start a fire with it? We hold it in place and we focus the lens and then the fire starts. So if we can work on spending time with Him, being intentional with Him, and focusing on Him, you will see a fire light up in your life. You'll see light and life ignite in your life.
In Acts 2.38, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will, and you will, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. Acts 2, 4, all of them, everybody say all, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Pastor Matt talked about what it is we do in this church. I can tell you with 100% certainty, I did not feel qualified when we were given the role. I still do not feel qualified. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies them. And I can only do what I do with the power of the Holy Spirit and having that relationship with Him. The Holy Spirit is known as the, the comforter, the friend, the mighty counselor. I can't do it without Him. We have an amazing team. Amazing team. Couldn't do it without Him either. But far be it from me to do this all in my own strength and crumble under the pressure of not submitting and surrendering this thing to Him almost every day. It's the only way I can do it. Again, that speaks of posture of the hearts. Can we come in and just humble ourselves, submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you? Can I come and submit to God and release everything to Him daily? It says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest, for my yoke is light and easy. And in doing this in my life, God has showed up in my prayer closet. God has shown up in service. He just keeps showing up. And the more we get familiar and used to with His presence, the more we can engage quickly and easily for Him. And you'll start to see the hand of God move upon your life. Amen? You guys all right? Okay. You're amazing. We're out of time, but what I want to do is if everybody could stand up. I had difficulty receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I had difficulty receiving the gift of tongues. But I would say the key thing was to keep pressing in, to keep pursuing Him, keep desiring Him, and don't give up. And God came, and I received. And my life was forever changed after that. So I want to give people an opportunity to receive this morning. We're going to pray a corporate prayer. We're going to believe right now that those who want Him, that want the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues, are going to receive it in this service. We can do a corporate prayer. Then after service, the ministry team are going to be down here. And if you feel like you just need to be led through it a little bit more and encouraged, we'll be here praying for you to receive. Does that sound all right? Okay, if everybody just close their eyes and lift their palms to heaven, just have a posture of an open heart. Even if you're not wanting to receive right now, that's fine. I can't make you. But for those that do, I'll have everybody repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you that you are here right now. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I forgive those that have hurt me. I ask your Holy Spirit 
to come now and fill me with your power and your love. I ask for the gift of tongues. Now, in Jesus' name, I receive the free gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.